Samuel chapter number 17. I bet nobody's ever heard these scriptures read in their whole life. First Samuel 17. And I'm going to read one verse because I'm going to be in this chapter for a long time tonight. Well, for the majority of my message, should I say, not a long time. <laughs> Praise God. I don't intend to be very long. I just want to encourage us as a church body. Hallelujah. It's, it's time to go. Amen. It's go time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's time for us to see revival. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And no, I'm not going to preach about pessimists. But I am going to talk about just one little phrase that I stood out to me in this scripture. The first thing that Eliab asked David in anger, he said, why camest thou down hither? My title tonight, I want to, I want to talk to you tonight. Why have you come here? Why have you come here? Can we pray and ask God to step in this place? We need him. I want God's perfect will to be done in this place tonight. Let's lift our voices and talk to him one more time. Lord, we love you. Can we give him a hand clap of praise in this place tonight? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. Praise God. This story is not old to any of us. I mean, not new to any of us. It is old to a lot of us. <laughs> However, I still want to pull from this story out of the scripture. There's so much here, so much beauty in these scriptures. Amen. So much that can be applied to us today. Amen. The story begins in the beginning of this chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. It begins where, verse, verse 1 says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah. They were gathered together for battle. Amen. It's very clear that's what they've come to do. They've come to wreak havoc. They've come to have battle against the Israelites. And they set up camp here in this place called Shoko. <clears throat> Amen. 
However, this was not the only problem that the Israelites faced at this time. And if you'll stay with me, I'm going to get somewhere and we're going to go from there. Amen. But the Israelites' problem did not just stop with the fact that they were at battle with their enemy. Something else happened. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 4 through 10 explains what's going on. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and, his armed, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said to them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? And not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me, if he be able to fight with me, and, and kill me, then we will be your servants." But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So not only was Israel arrayed at battle now, but now they had another obstacle in the way. And it was, to them, a big problem. Not one man in Israel felt that they could stand against this man. He was a giant. We know he was a giant. Some say he was some, over some nine feet tall. His, his tools of war were just massive. He was a massive man. And I don't believe that I would even want to try to take him on. I can promise you. I like to think of myself sometimes as a more tough guy than I actually am. But <clears throat> what guy doesn't? Amen? <laughs> Praise God. But these men of Israel were men of war. They've had experience in battle. Not one of these men would even think about going against this man, Goliath. He was a big problem. Amen? Their situation was not looking good at this point. Amen. And at that, he even defied the armies of Israel, thus defying God. Amen. I want you to pay attention to that because we're going to come back to that here in a little while. Israel was afraid because all that they saw was a big giant. And they saw that it was a difficult situation. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 11 tells us how they felt. When Saul and all Israel heard the, those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Amen. 
They saw an impossible situation. They saw something that they said, we cannot handle this problem. And I'm telling you, they were right. They could not handle that problem. Not one man in that army could handle that problem. Amen. But some, somebody, thank God, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but somebody somewhere understood, hey, my problem's pretty big. My problem's monstrous. However, my God is much greater. My God is much bigger than this issue that has arisen in my life. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get fired up yet because we're going to talk about that some more here in a few moments. But while all this was happening, while Israel was sitting there all cowered down, hiding in their tents, hiding behind rocks, if you will, if you allow my imagination to go this evening, as these men were afraid... David was at his dad's house doing what he always does, tending the sheep. And his dad called for him. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 17 and 18. It's where we find this. And Jesse said to David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. I want you to take food to your brothers, David, and I want you to find out how things are going. And come back and tell me. So David did. You can read on. David woke up early the next morning. He left the sheep with another person, a keeper, the Bible says. And David went on his way and he arose and he, and he arrived at the battlefield, well, if you can call it a battlefield, nothing was happening because there was too much fear going on. Israel had forgotten who their God was. Israel had forgotten who the victorious one was. Israel had forgotten, obviously these days, who had gone before them time and time again before. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. When David arrived, somebody stepped out. Kind of makes me wonder. The way the scripture places this, it makes me wonder if the Philistines were standing out there at the end of their tents looking up. Hey, look, somebody's coming down the road. It's time to, it's time to send Goliath out again. Let's see if this guy can take him on. Maybe they called reinforcements. So are you with me? Am I being too um, imaginative here? Why else would Goliath have come out almost immediately after David arrived on the scene? I'm sure these Philistines, the enemy's probably getting pretty antsy saying, you know what, we came down here, we're just wasting time. We're not doing anything. Because they're too scared. We might as well just attack and go on from here. David rose, arrived on the, on, the, on the scene and this big problem that the Israelites saw came out and, and he showed himself. First Samuel chapter 17 verses 22 and 23 says, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army. 
and came and saluted his brethren. And he talked with them. Behold, and as he talked with him, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words that we read just a few moments ago. And David heard them. David saw the same thing everybody else saw. David heard the same exact thing everybody else heard. Do you agree? The Bible says that the Philistines spake according to the same words. He had his speech rehearsed. David heard everything that they heard. David saw everything that they saw. But there was two different responses at this very moment. As soon as this man came out, David looked around him. I can just imagine everybody was standing there talking to him just a moment ago. And, he, and this Philistine came out and he began to talk. And he began to say, I defy the armies of Israel this day. And David looks around and, hey, where did everybody go? What's going on? Hello? Anybody here? Hello? I see somebody peeking up around the corner. David, over here. Over here. Come here. Come here. David's like, what are you guys doing? Don't you understand? You think I'm being facetious? I'm being serious. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24 through 25 said, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Did you see him, David? Why are you still standing out there where everybody can see you? Get over here. Hide yourself. But David, he felt so much differently than those Israelites did. David answered in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 30, verse 26 through 30. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? I can just imagine he's probably talking about as loud as I am right now. Who in the world is this guy? What are you guys doing? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You're letting him defy the armies of the living God. What are you thinking, guys? The people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why did you come here? Why? And he goes on to say, I know why you came. I know the pride and the naughtiness of your heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You just wanted to come see what a fight was all about. You just wanted to come and be a spectator. And David said, he knew his brother was mad at him. Kind of when I read this, I think of me and Jared. 
Amen? Just being honest. And Jared, I think, would respond to me just like this. David said, what have I now done? What did I do? Just shut up. Go, go somewhere else. You're making me look like a fool. That's exactly what Eliab was feeling. I know what Eliab was feeling. I've had my little brother come in and show me up a time or two. And I responded in anger. That's what Eliab was dealing with. David was right. What are you guys doing? Why are you just letting this Philistine shoot off at the mouth and talk about how he defies the armies of the living God? Why in the world are you guys doing this? And Eliab said, David, just shut up. Just go on down the road. Go back home. You already seen enough. Go tell dad everything's going all right. Just get out of here. I don't want you here anymore. You're making me look like a fool. You're making me look like a little pansy. You're making me realize I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Hallelujah. I'm here to ask you tonight, is there not a cause for us to get up and get out there in the city of Olathe and begin to knock some doors and say, hey, God's moving down there in my church. God's got the answers for all your situations. Why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Oh, you don't have a ride? Yeah, let me come by. Oh, I'll be by about 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. Oh, you want to come to church Sunday night too? Okay, I'll be by your house about 5 o'clock in the evening that night. Why don't you just be ready? Hallelujah. Is there not a cause? Hallelujah. Is there not a cause? Hallelujah. What did you come here for? Did you just come to church tonight just to sit on a pew and to just go home the same ways that you came? Hallelujah. Did you come tonight to be challenged by the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. David, David got frustrated with his brother. Go on to verse number 30, brother, 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 brother Wisdom. He got done talking to his brother. He said, you know what? I'm not going to get through his old thick skull. So he goes on, turned from him toward another. And he spake to that other person. What have I done? Is there not a cause? You're just going to let that uncircumcised Philistine just stand out there and talk about how he defies the, the armies of God? You're going to talk, let him talk about your God like that? Obviously, he got through to this person because the next thing we find, he's standing in front of King Saul. And they told King Saul everything that David said. And King Saul said, David, is this true? And I can imagine David said, yeah, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. David was brought before Saul, and, and Saul even expressed. You know, my, my reading the story, this is like the first time that you begin to hear about Saul. Where is Saul at? Where is the leader of the people? What is he doing? He's cowering down in the midst of his army. Instead of leading the charge, I thank God for a pastor that's 
that, that preaches this message still as strong as he did the first day that I ever met him. I thank God for a man of God that will stand for truth in the face of adversity. Hallelujah. I've watched him and I've watched him and I've watched him. And I want to be just like him. There's no better man out there. And I'm telling you, you want to go somewhere in the kingdom of God, you get behind him. You want God to bless you, you follow the man of God as close as possible. You listen to every word he says. You hang upon everything that he tells you. I promise you, I've watched God bless me time and time again. Even if I didn't understand why my pastor told me what he told me. And this ain't even in my notes. But let me tell you something. When I didn't understand, those were the times that God blessed me the most. Let me tell you something. Sometimes pastor don't even understand why he tells you what he tells you. But he knows what he feels in the Holy Ghost. And eventually God will give you an understanding as to why you did what you did and when you did it. And why he told you to do it. Amen. I thank God for a man of God that is not at all backing down. He's never backed down to me. I've never seen him back down to anybody else that withstood him. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the fact that my man of God was not like King Saul that allowed his, his warriors to cower down. Amen. Praise God. Saul told David, he said in verse 33, he said, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. David, you never fought a day in your life, he thought. King Saul, looking at this young man, your young man, this guy's been raised to fight. He's been trained. He's been through some hard knock schools. He's been, he's been there. He's experienced it. He knows how to fight. And David still looked at King Saul. I don't find hesitation in the scripture anywhere. Verse 34 through 37. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept thy, his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. <clears throat> and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing, understand this, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. It's important that you understand that because I'm going to really begin to talk about that here in a few moments. He defied the armies of the living God. Hallelujah. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go 
and the Lord be with thee. Hallelujah. Finally, David got through everybody's thick skull saying, you know what? Yeah, if I go out there all by myself, I'm not going to be able to handle it. I'm going to fail. I'm going to be killed. I will be no more. But he said, there was a day that a lion, there was a day that a bear came and tried to devour one of my father's sheep. And I stood in there, and the Lord delivered the lion and the bear. He could have very easily said, you know what, I, I was standing there, I was watching the sheep, and a lion came up and began to devour, and I defeated the lion. That's not what he said. He said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Hallelujah. David understood it wasn't by David's strength. It wasn't by David's ability that this thing was going to happen, that this big problem was going to be resolved. David understood, you know what, there was a day here, here in, the, in the past of my life that I had to leave things in God's hands. Yeah, I stepped in and I began to fight with my own bare hands and God stepped in and he delivered those things into my hands. Hallelujah, I walked away victorious. Hallelujah, I know that God would do the same thing in this situation. Yeah, it must be bigger. Yeah, the giant may be more intelligent than the bear and the lion, but let me tell you something. I know a God that is much bigger than anything in this world, and that God is going to give me the strength, uh, hallelujah, to become victorious. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 So David left Saul. David went out on the battlefield. On his way, he picks up five smooth stones. On his way down to, to the battlefield. Hallelujah. We all, most of us know the story. He gets up on the battlefield. And Goliath looks at him. And he began to laugh and mock David. Verses 42 through 44 is what the Philistine said. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? Was I just one of your naughty dogs that you're just going to come beat me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. Come to me. I'll give thee thy flesh to the fowls of the air. And I'll let the beast of the field devour the rest of you. Just come on down here. Let me, let me just show you a thing or two, son. David was not even in the least bit intimidated against this man. Not that I can find in the scripture. Because he responded in total faith. Total faith. 
There wasn't a doubt in David's mind. Let me tell you something. If you have doubt, it will fight against your faith. And it will make your faith null and void. When you say, God, I believe you're going to do it, and in the back of your mind you say, man, I don't know. I don't know. Let me tell you something. I know from experience, and I'm thankful for it. But I asked God specifically for a specific instance, and I said, God, I know you're going to do it, and I didn't think another thing about it. And within six to eight hours, God performed what I had just asked him. Let me tell you something. That did nothing but, for, nothing but good for my faith. I can promise you right now, if I walk up and I begin to pray and ask God to perform things in my life, and he doesn't do it in five or six hours, this next time, I'm not going to doubt. You know why? Because I know God is faithful. I know God came through that time. And I understand that God has a perfect time for everything that he has in store for my life. And when I begin to ask and I begin to think and I begin to think of things that I think would be good right now, maybe God knows it'll be better in about a week if he gives it to me then. No, I don't think God won't give it to me, but God, I know you're going to perform whatever I ask as long as it's in his will. As long as I'm seeking his kingdom first. As long as I'm seeking his righteousness first, hallelujah, I know God's going to answer my questions. I know God's going to answer my prayers. I know God's going to make, hallelujah, make me, make me prosperous in every one of my, my, my requests when I come to him in faith and do not doubt. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, I'm not preaching prosperity doctrine tonight okay there are stipulations you've got to seek his kingdom first you've got to seek his righteousness first and then everything else will come hallelujah because if you're seeking him it's only going to be things that are according to his will that you desire amen that's another message for another time David was not intimidated because he understood I know God's going to bring me out. David had no doubt in his mind that God would bring him out. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 45 through 47 is, is where we find David's response to what the Philistine had to say. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear, with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Will you give me a little bit of leeway here? Yesterday while I was listening to those tapes, Grandpa said, you don't find in that scripture where David said, I come to you with a sling and a stone. That's what he had in his hand. He didn't say, I come to you with a staff. That's what he had in his hand. Obviously, that's what the Philistine remarked about. But David said, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. You gotta understand, I'm not just coming out here with, with weapons that are made of man's hands. You gotta understand, Philistine, you made a statement about my God and about the people of my God. Hallelujah, you defied them, and I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah, I'm coming to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel, who thou hast defied. Hallelujah, there is nothing that will stop me from being victorious over you if I come to you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I come against my enemy in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Too many times I think that we sit down with our pen and paper trying to figure out our own finances with our own mentality, with our own knowledge, but sometimes I think God wants us to sit down with that pen and paper and say, God, you show me what you want me to do here. Got to work things out. God's going to work things out. I can promise you, your mentality, your, your, your knowledge, your experience is not good enough to get you through. Let me tell you, there's an enemy out there right now this very day, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but he has been out there defying the church of the living God. Hallelujah. You can't tell me that this week that the enemy didn't step into your little mind and begin to turn things on and say, hey, what in the world were they thinking? What in the world did so-and-so say about it? Why did they say that? Why did they do that? Oh, if you do that, so-and-so is going to say this about you. Oh, if you do this, what's so-and-so going to think about you? Let me tell you something. That's the enemy. He's going about seeking who he can devour. I was talking to somebody earlier this week. And I'll tell you the same thing tonight. The enemy is mad. The enemy knows, just like what I was talking about earlier. God is ready right now to move. The devil knows it. You hear that? The devil knows it. That's why the devil's out there defying your brother and your sister. That's why the devil's out there saying those things to you. That's why the devil wants us to be depressed and discouraged and all upset. I'll tell you, I came to church tonight and I began to thank God. Lord, I'm so thankful that I could come back to your house tonight. As soon as I clocked out from, from work this evening and I began to drive here, hallelujah, I don't know about you, but inside my heart I began to say thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful I can go to your house and be in your presence. Hallelujah, I'm so thankful, Lord Jesus, that I can go back to the house of God and that I can hear the word of God one more time. And God, that you can challenge me and that you can encourage me and that I can leave your presence presence again filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. 
Hallelujah. God didn't have to allow me to make it back to church tonight safe. Hallelujah. God could have took me out any time between the, the, the store and, and, and the church tonight. God didn't have to wake me up this morning. Uh, hallelujah. God didn't have to allow me to, to, to talk to those folks that I talked to today uh, about God. Uh, God didn't have to do those things. But God gives us the strength that we need to make it through. Hallelujah. God gives us the strength regardless of what the devil tells us. I'm not getting through tonight, but God will give you strength. The devil, this is how he works. This is how he works. He will find the weakest part in your walk with God. The weakest. Understand that. The thing that you have let your guard down. The thing that has always bothered you ever since you got the Holy Ghost, the devil begins to work on those things over and over and over and over again. Let me tell you, the last couple of weeks, things that I haven't been tempted to do have been back and have been visiting me again. But I went back to the Word of God. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> Victory is mine. I'm a child of the king. You got no business in my home. You got no business in my family. You got no business in my head. Get through reading the word of God, I found a place to pray. And I said, God, you alone can give me strength to withstand whatever is going on in my mind right now. I don't know what you battled this week. I don't want to know what you battled this week. But I'm telling you, I know that the devil has been on a rampage. Not for, for number one, pastor baptized 60, 65 people in Africa this week. The devil ain't happy about that because pastor, pastor taught them and revelation came And they've stepped away from false doctrine. And now we have 60, 65 preachers out there preaching the one God message, the truth. You think the enemy's happy about that? You know why that happens? It's because there were some people in Olathe on their face at one o'clock, at two o'clock in the morning, praying, saying, God, I pray that you would listen revelation as our pastor begins to teach. God, I'm gonna fast today for my pastor because I wanna see revival in Africa. That's number one. Number two is the fact that he knows God's ready to do the same thing right here in, in Kansas. Come on, you can believe with me for Africa, but can you believe with me for Kansas? I said God is ready to move right here in Kansas. He 
this should be an everyday thing that we come to the house of God an every service thing that we come to the house of God and these altars are filled with guests that are seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Our, our schedules should be so filled with Bible studies. Come on, Pastor Riggin doesn't have to be the only one teaching Bible studies. Each and every one of us have that ability. You don't have to be a scholar to teach somebody the truth, to teach somebody that we can walk into his marvelous light. Amen. God's ready to do something right here in Kansas. Just like he's doing it in, over there in Africa. God wants to do it right here. Let me tell you, I don't understand why God has placed me in the position that he's placed me in at Chick-fil-A. But in the past two months, I've talked to five different Trinitarians and we have been discussing why in the world do I believe in oneness? And every time I have a conversation with them, they say, well, that's not in the scripture. I say, oh, yes, it is. And I open the Bible and I say, well, there it is right there. Oh, I've never seen that before. And they step back. We're going to talk again. A few days go by. Hey, Brandon, I've been thinking about the Trinity and the oneness. Um, where do you stand on this? I said, okay. They, the, the biggest one that they tell me time and time again is the Trinity is a mystery. You can't understand it. I said, oh, yeah. It's not what the Bible says. Oh, I said, they said there's scripture and verse that says you can understand the, the Godhead? I said, absolutely. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Go ahead and put it up there, brother. Brother Wisdom. Romans 1 and verse 20. It's the truth. It's the truth. And people are seeking truth. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's no excuse why they should be believing in any other doctrine. There's only one God who wrapped himself in flesh, that he could shed his own blood, that he could become the perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us. That's the truth. I'm not here to teach a one God message. I think we most of us got the one God message. But there's a reason that God places those people in our lives at specific times. And there's not, I don't think it's happenstance that God's placed four or five different ones in my life right now, except for the fact that God is ready to do something right now. The reason I say that is, I've, I've been in these positions before, and they never respond. They want to dialogue. They'll dialogue a lot. But I've never had them show up at church. They showed up at church. And they both told me that there's a big difference in what I felt at your place than what I felt any place else. And we're going to come back. 
There's more people like that out there. There is so many more people like that out there. What are we waiting for? I said that's not what I was going to preach about tonight, but that's what I made it back to. David didn't hesitate. David didn't hesitate when he began to attack the enemy. David responded in complete faith, and he said, you know what? I'm coming against you, not because I think I can whip you, but because you defied the armies of the living God. And because I know that since you cursed my God, you're not going to live for that. And God's going to use me to smite you. So no, I am not coming to smite you. God is going to smite you. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe 100% that, that it was God's hand that directed that stone and, and put it exactly where it needed to be with just the right force to knock that giant out. Let me, let me, let me explain. I, told, I talked about David and Goliath last night just a little bit, talking about how we need to focus upon our faith. We're not going to go anywhere with God if we don't have faith. That's what I talked about last night. And we talked about this very fact that if it was just David and his sling and the stone, I don't believe for one second that it would have knocked that giant out. Why do I say that? Because I was a little boy once and my daddy bought me a slingshot. And you ever shot rocks out of a slingshot? Have you ever shot marbles? They're actually more destructive than rocks are because they're perfectly round and they have no friction. And I found, I don't remember if dad bought me a box. I'm talking, it was a big five gallon drum or bucket of marbles. Within two days, that bucket was empty. But me and my buddy Tyson, I don't, I don't think many of you know him. We were out here in the back. They lived back here behind the tra- church in a trailer, and we lived in the house next door. And We were out there in the woods, and we came up on a deer, and we crept up on that thing. And he had a slingshot. His was newer than mine. Mine was my dad's when he was a kid. And so we grabbed our slingshots. I said, you think we can get him? <laughs> and Tyson said, yeah, we can get him. So we both pulled our slingshots back and we, we got to looking down there and we shot. And guess what? We got that deer. And you know what that deer did? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> he kind of like looked around like, what was that? You know, I expected him to jump or run or something. I knew I wasn't going to kill him, but I wanted to see what he was going to do. He was like, I don't know what that was. (laughs) I guess we would say today, epic fail. But that's why I don't believe for a second that that stone, with just the might of David, swinging that thing and letting it go, 